Welcome everybody back to Chronic But Iconic. Today we'll be talking to Julia Knight, who is the media manager for Lyme Disease UK. Um, and, you know, she's she's just amazing. So I know for sure that you'll love this podcast episode. So please enjoy and please leave your feedback because every little comment really, really means the world to me. So thank you so much and enjoy. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Julia. Oh, perfect. It's, it's working now. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, welcome to my podcast channel, Chronic But Iconic. Thank you. And, you know, I'm so, so pleased to have you on because I think you're a wonder woman and you know that. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) No, you are. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. But for everybody listening, would it be okay if you could just give them a sort of brief overview into yourself and your own Lyme journey? Okay, yeah. So um, I was a busy um, mum of three children um, working as um, a very senior paediatric nurse. I just set up the community children's nursing service in Lincolnshire. Um, And I was just about, ironically, to start my master's degree in healthcare management. Wow, (laughs) Mm. that's crazy. Very ironic. So um, I took my then youngest daughter, who was about 14 then, on a half-term break with her friend to, shall we say, a forest holiday centre. Right. In East Anglia. Okay. And um, while we were there, uh, it it would have been early May, I suppose. Yeah, early May. And I had I had no 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 idea about Lyme disease at all, even in yeah. even in my position. And yeah. um, I did briefly notice on a notice board as we were walking around something about a tick. Uh, had a photo of a tick on it, but I didn't take any notice of it. Um, no. And then we've been there a couple of days, and I said to my then husband, "I've got something behind my laugh, left armpit," and he said, "No, oh, there's." Wow. There's nothing there. So I said, well, there is, because something's irritating. It wasn't itching. It was like something was... Yes. ...at all. And this went on for a few days with us arguing about it. Oh. And um, anyway, it, it gradually lessened. I uh, didn't think anything more about it. Yeah. And then in the July, I started to feel a bit unwell. So that's about right, about six to eight weeks. Yeah. Um and but because I was a very busy person running a home, a very high powered job in the NHS, uh, just pushed through it. I did take a day off work, which is was unheard of. Yeah, but I thought, can imagine. Mm, I don't know what this is about. The, the other, the only other thing that gave me a clue something was wrong was I came out in huge bruises, right? So, because I work in NHS, everybody was a bit you know, it was easy to access doctors, put it that way. Yeah. And they, they were like, oh, this is a bit odd. And my bloods were a bit upside down. Right. But nothing nothing that would stand out. So uh, time goes on. I go on holiday in October. Yeah. I've come back from, I think it was one of the Canary Islands, if I can think back that far, because this is 1999. Wow. Um, go back to work. Um, go to a study day at the local hospice. Ironic again. Um, Listening to somebody lecture, and I suddenly thought, uh, I don't know what's happening, but a person was disappearing into the background. Right. And people notice 
that I was obviously something wrong. Yeah. And um, I could hear them saying, are you okay? Are you okay? But it was like I was underwater. Right. Um, oh, I guess, yeah. I yeah. Understand. You know, if you were listening to somebody's voices and you were underwater, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, somebody helped me out of the room and because there are doctors on hand in a hospice, yeah. uh, they came running because I, I think they thought they were going to have the first ever acute death on their hands. Oh, no. <laughs> Rather than a, you know, long drawn out yes. terminal death. Yeah. So anyway, after about an hour, I slowly came back and they were like, you know, you've been you've been way out of it and you've been a terrible colour, which they described as a horrible shade of grey. Oh, gosh. So anyway, I sort of came back to myself, jumped in the car, unbelievably, (sighs) and went home and then slept for quite a long time, which was quite unlike me. Yeah. And then that passed and went back to work and it happened twice more. It happened once horribly in um, because a lot of my job was visiting very sick children in their homes. Yes. Uh, so the whole idea of community children's nursing is to keep children out of hospital. Yeah. Um, so I was with a very um, sick baby with um, his mum. Right. And but lucky enough, I had a student with me, okay, who I who I'd known for quite a long time, and it happened again. So, um, she, my my friend, the student, said um, to the mum, "Is there a local doctor's surgery?" There was, so she took me there. Um, The GP came out. They put me in a side room, and the GP came to me and he said, "I just want to watch what's going on here." So, because I was still like halfway through one of these sessions. Yeah. So he he laid me on the couch and said, um, oh, and I sort of came back again. And he said, you need to see a neurologist. And right. my my reaction to that was to laugh. <laughs> yeah, but also it's quite scary, isn't it? I wasn't Definitely. scared. I thought I thought he was being, oh, thought right. he was, I thought he was being like over, Seriously? yeah over yeah. over cautious I don't know what I was like no me a neurologist and he said you do so I anyway I didn't I, didn't, I still didn't follow up on it and I, I made an appointment with my own GP to say what was happening yeah completely admitted to tell him what the other GP had said um, wow. and he said oh you know that's very unusual but not same old, same old, we'll do all the blood tests, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, my health became, it just started going down like a pack of cards. Decline, yeah. yeah. Um, I felt as if I'd been poisoned. I felt as if ev- every nerve ending was screaming. Yeah. Um, and because of, again, because of my position, my boss, um, he fast-tracked me to every consultant he could think of. Um. It all came back negative, as you know. Yeah. Um, and then um, by the Christmas, well, just before the Christmas, I lost the ability to sleep completely. Oh, my word. And at one point over the millennium Christmas and New Year, which was yeah. supposed, supposed to be a big celebration for everybody, wasn't Definitely, it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Remember back then? 
Yeah. Um, I was actually awake for a period of about 11 days. Oh, my word. And I was, uh, my body started to shut down because you have to have sleep. Of course, of yeah. course. So, again, my then husband took me to A&E in desperation. They tried every drug available to make me sleep and all it did was make me climb the walls with anxiety. Oh, no. And nobody could understand what was going on. So, in the end, I discharged myself. I was so distressed, so very yes. distressed. Discharged myself and, again, took control and managed to get hold of um, one of the neurologist secretaries in Nottingham. Okay. Who, who I knew. Yeah. And said, do you think one of them would see me privately? Wow. Um, okay. Um, we went. And he said, oh, I think you've got something called ME. And I said, I, yes. I don't think so. I said, I'm not tired. I'm just yeah. wide awake. Yeah. And I've had all these funny symptoms. Um, so that label sort of stuck. Right. And over the next, I would say, about 20 months, um, wow. I managed to get little bits of sleep. He'd given me some amitriptyline, which helped, yes. helped a little bit, but not enough. And, and basically, I got to the point where life was so miserable. I'd lost not only my career that I loved. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd had my car taken away because it was an NHS lease car. Um, oh, wow. um, what happened? I, I couldn't be a mum to my children. Of course. Um, and that's heartbreaking in itself. It was heartbreaking. One of yes. my one of my really good friends, my, my daughter, who was then by this time 15, the young one, yeah. needed a new pair of shoes and yeah. um, my very good friend Marie said oh, don't worry I'll take her and I was absolutely heartbroken she'd said that oh it was just awful anyway to cut a long story short I got to the point where I just couldn't cope anymore with being yeah. being a prisoner because like as soon as I tried to do anything I would get this collapse feeling back um so I was just trapped in the house, and in the end, I took a massive overdose. Oh, no. So that was that. Heartbreaking. Yeah, really heartbreaking. All, you know. So then what happened was, um, and it's quite an amusing tale, uh, anybody who takes an overdose <laughs> uh, yeah. has to see a psychiatrist. Okay. So I went, very reluctantly went to see this psychiatrist because I knew that there was something underlying causing all this. Yeah. Um, so I went to see a psychiatrist and told him this very sad story. And and I am not making this up, okay? This genuinely yeah. happened. He was quite a young guy for a consultant psychiatrist. And he, he put his um, feet on the table on his desk, put his feet up right. on the... Sat back oh, in wow. His, yeah, sat back in his chair and said, um, Julia, you're not depressed at all. You are totally pissed off with the world. Oh. And I said, I am. Yeah. yeah. yeah I've got yeah. it. He said, whatever life's dealt you, it's cruel. And yes. he, he said, I don't know what it is, but if this had happened to me, I would have probably taken the same way out too. Well, um, that's great to have that understanding. He was really good. Yeah. And then um, after a couple of weeks... I was visited at home by a, a, an excellent community psychiatric nurse who was a, similar to my age. 
and she connected with me right away. Yeah. And she read a book about ME and I gave her a book and she read it and she said, you don't seem to fit this pattern, but I'll read it anyway. Yeah. And then slowly by slowly, she rebuilt me mentally. And That's bad news. Yeah. Where we used to live, there was a pub just up the road. Now, I'm a non-drinker, a lifelong non-drinker. <laughs> so I'm not, not exactly getting a hobnob in the pub, am I? No, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, But she would say things to me like, right, my next appointment is next Tuesday at 2 o'clock yeah. with, with you. I'll meet you in the pub. Fab. And I would it's say to yeah, nice environment, yeah. So I would say I can't, I can't get to the pub, you know. I've got a yeah. supposedly Emmy, blah blah blah, and then yeah. and probably right up until two minutes before two o'clock, I would finally try and venture out of the door. So right, um, bit by bit, she built up my mental confidence again. Obviously, it didn't help me physically one bit. But right, it, yeah. it did help me to try. Yeah. And she also said, I think, given your background, it, it might help if you wrote down what happened. Yeah. So I wrote this little story about what happened. And she sent it oh. to the local ME support group who uh, had a monthly newsletter. Yeah. And um, anyway, the next time it was published... Loads of cards came through my letterbox. Oh, wow, that's amazing. The phone started ringing. And oh. some of those people I'm still in touch with today. That's bad news. Anyway, so life went on. I was pretty much housebound for seven years, but yeah. stronger mentally, if not physically. Yeah. And uh, my oldest daughter became pregnant out of the blue. Okay. Okay. And in May 2006, my first grandson was born, Toby. Oh. And my son-in-law, who is now my son-in-law, he rang me up to say he'd been born and said, without realising what he was saying, I'll come pick you up later on and you can come and meet the baby. Oh. And I was like, uh, but I didn't say to him, I can't. No, but your heart sank. Yeah. So yeah. I sat there all day thinking, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, any normal grandparent will be at that house, at that yeah. hospital, sorry. And celebrating. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just sat there and he came and picked me up and I got in the car. I felt terrible physically. Yeah. But I did it. Yes. And that photo in that hospital is worth a million pounds to me. And that, that was the start of me regaining my life. That's um, amazing. Ironically, in the January before Toby was born, my husband walked out because that yeah, breaks my heart. Yeah, because heart. he couldn't cope with a chronic illness anymore, and he found an old girlfriend online. You know, same old story. Oh. Um, but then when Toby was born, and I know this sounds crazy, but him going, and we'd been married nearly thirty years. Yeah. Him going and Toby being born, it was like one chapter had ended, but, yes. a, but a new one had opened. Yes. And from then on, I slowly rebuilt. Now, for any, incredible. Yeah. For anybody listening to your podcast who is a limey like both of us. Yeah. 
they're going to say, how can you do that? Because yeah. I didn't have any treatment. Yeah. Okay. So what I did was I just slowly built up my resilience just by, I don't know, sheer grit. Determination. Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up buying a little, with my share of the family house, I bought a little um, shared ownership house, which was tiny. And it was like, it was like my little paradise. Yeah, because it was yours. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And Louise and Chris and Toby lived with me for a little while until they, because they they needed somewhere to live after he was born. But uh, they ended up moving around the corner for me. And they were really happy days. I was still pretty much housebound. Um, But during that year in the new house, I applied for a a car, you know, through through disability living allowance. Yes. And I started driving again. That's fab. That is great. um, So that was up till then. What happened after then was that I lived there quite happily. And then... Uh, my husband John, as you know now, yeah, bounced back into my life quite accidentally. He Aww. he was also in the RAF, like my former husband. Yeah, he'd um, applied for his last tour of duty before retiring in Lincolnshire, where my little house was, and we, we ended up meeting. Um, he knew of my illness, and he came yeah. round for for coffee. You know. And we, um, we were, yeah, we were mates. Yeah. And then he became ill for a year. Um, he oh, he gosh. went he went through a terrible year of a very deep depression, mainly brought about by when people have been in the military all their life from when yes. they were from when they were lads. Yeah. They can't see a life outside. Yes, it's, a, it's a completely different world. Yeah, very complex, yeah. and it, you know. Although reaching a very senior position in the Air Force, you, somebody else is always organising your life for you. Yes. You know, yes telling you where to go and where to be. Anyway, yeah. because I knew what it was like, I recognised it right away, the signs. Yeah. And we got through that. And he ended up, unbelievably, um, when he was better, it took about 16 months. He had a lot of support from the RF. That's fab. That's and great. He actually ran the London Marathon. Wow. For then it was Action for Emmy, and he raised a lot of money. So yeah. that, that was another massive step. Yes. You know, into the world. Yeah. And also having that support is just an yeah. absolute lifeline. Yeah. It really is. And then moving on, he left the Air Force, but obtained a job in the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> Oh, and I was like, I become jealous of you, (laughs) very jealous. But we were only, you know, best friends by then. I was like, why would you do that? Yeah, we've you've helped me, I've helped you, and and now, you know, you're going to disappear. Yes. Anyway, far away as well, not just around the corner. No, not just around the corner. And um, anyway, he he flew off. To, yeah. Abu, to Abu Dhabi. And within two hours of landing, he was back messaging me. So I was like, oh, he hasn't gone. 
um, and then because there are quite strict laws in the yeah. United Arab, Arab Emirates that probably tourists don't take any note or notice of, but they should. <laughs> because it is actually legal for a couple who are not married to stay together over there. Oh, wow. Oh, so if you fly over there on holiday, you know, with your other half. Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very unlikely that anybody will do anything, but if for some reason Best you come... be safe. Yeah, if you come to the attention of the police, say you had a car accident, they'll yeah. investigate who you are and what you are. But that's another story. Yeah. So anyway, I used to fly backwards and forwards, and that sounds an impossibility from where I started this story, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. So the first time I went, uh, some very good friends took me to the airport. I had no idea how I was going to do this. No idea. But I was determined to try. Yeah, determined. They took me to the airport. They took me to Birmingham Airport. And I cried and cried and cried when they left me. Mm. I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've been stuck in Lincoln for all these years. Yes. Um, anyway, with special assistance, got on the plane and completely, it's about a seven and a half hour flight. Which is a long time. A long time. And I have my headphones in most of the time, just listening to relaxation tapes, trying not to, you know, <laughs> trying yeah. to stay calm. Yeah. And, and a, a guy who sat the other end of the four seats said to me, are you okay? Because I see that you've lain down a lot. Yeah. So we we got into a conversation, and he he asked me, you know, and so I I told him all what happened, you know, I hadn't been well and that. And he said that's amazing yeah. you're on this plane. Anyway, it turned out that he was a businessman who travelled there regularly with a group of right. men, and the other men were spread out all over the aircraft. Anyway, when we la- when we landed, he started. He he congratulated me, so Aww. it was really lovely. Anyway, yeah, never thought anything more about it, and then obviously I had to wait for the wheelchair people and everything. Yes, yeah. And uh, when I finally got through customs and John was waiting the other side, they all stood there applauding all these businessmen. <laughs> So there's another positive along the way. Definitely. Um, And then after, um, so it was 2013, we decided to get married and got married the following year. So I actually actually moved out there with him. And then in 2016, I listened to some media information about Lyme disease. Yeah. Like a lot of other people did. Yeah. And I had suspected yeah. it in the beginning because of this holiday in Thetford. Yeah. And a couple of colleagues had said to me, do you think you could have been bitten? But nothing ever came of it, as you know, for many people. Yes. So I thought, do you know what? I reckon that did, that is what happened. Yeah. So I ended up from Abu Dhabi sending some bloods to Germany and also the doctors there, they've got an excellent healthcare system in UAE. Yes. The doctors there said to me, you do not fit the pattern of chronic fatigue syndrome. Right. We would like to investigate. So they sent some bloods to America. Okay. 
Anyway, they all came back a bit mixed up, even the German ones. But when they put the bigger picture together. Yes. And going back to that holiday with whatever it was stuck under my arm. Yes, and then all your symptoms yeah, as well. They yeah. were in no doubt. And yeah. the, the neurologist there, who was German, um, she said, I can't say 100% that happened to you because right. you would, you know, because you have to have, everybody wants that one positive test, don't they? Yeah. She said, but I am willing to try and treat you. Okay. And so she um, she ordered uh, the IV keftriaxone that you know about. Yeah. Um, we both agreed that after nearly 17 years, it wasn't going to do a great deal, but worth a try. Yes. Um, and I, I have to say, it did clear my head a bit. I well, think it did. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of, I, all my symptoms are now mainly neurological. Okay. Um, right. But, and it did help. Yeah. So, um, and just previous to that, I thought, well, I'll, I'll try and find like a support group or something so yeah. that I can chat to other people. So I came across Lyme Disease UK and thought, oh, I'll, I'll join this group. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. I'll join this yeah. group. And uh, thought, oh, listen, oh, looked at everybody's posts and thought, oh. Um, but then, Quite overwhelmed. Very overwhelmed. Yeah. But I put a post on it about the doctors over there ordered the IVs. Right. And got loads of support. Yeah. And then a few months went by and there was a notice on the group that they needed a press manager. Yeah. And I thought, well, do you know, I'm just sitting here every day while John's at work. Yes. I'm quite IT literate. <laughs> I'll I'll talk to anybody and approach yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah. I might do that. So I said oh, sent a message saying, I'll have, I'll have a go at that if you want. Yeah. And it started oh, wow. yeah, it started off really slowly with just uh adding to some databases of journalist contacts, that sort of thing, magazine yeah. contacts. But then it just grew and grew because I found out pretty quickly that that actually didn't work. Because right. if, if press do get in contact, they want an answer now, 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 yeah. now, now. That's very true. Uh, so I found my own way of doing it. And it seems to have been successful. And Well, you're, you're absolutely fabulous, I have to say. You're you. always on it. <laughs> you, know, you know that I think that you're Wonder Woman. So <laughs> you are really, really good at what you do. I think it's just... I think because my background is in... Um, so when I before, just before I got ill, and yeah. I, I was asked to set up the community children's nursing service in Lincolnshire, yeah, it wasn't a case of here, here you go, here's a job. I yeah. had to set it up from scratch, and I had to, yeah. I had to uh, beg, borrow, uh, yeah, write to all sorts of people. Yeah. I, need, I needed funding for this. I needed funding for that. I, need, I needed a piece of equipment for this child, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I've never been backward in coming forward if there's a good cause. <laughs> yes, of and course. And I, that, I think that's what's helped me do this. Yeah, Because, definitely. you know, when I first started reaching out to various people, like, 
I'm sure others in the team thought, what's she doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's worked. And now with all the lightings up, um, oh, with course. your one, with Morvin May. Yeah. Um, we've just got another one today. Leeds have joined in. Wow, it's just um, amazing. It's out of this world. Yeah, there's, there's, um, in the Scottish girls on Alba, they've managed to do, oh, that must be about six by now with Morvins. Wow. Um, so in the UK, what have we had? We've had six now and there's more, yes. to, more to come over the month. Yeah, which is incredible. So, yeah, so. It really um, is. I mean, two years ago, Oh, I don't think any of us would have thought of doing that. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, so I think I think we're growing and growing. Definitely. You know, we've we've got a good mix of personalities who have all got different strengths. We have, yeah, and that's key. Uh, absolutely key. Because yeah. for what one can do, the other can't. Yes. And yeah. what that one can't do, another one can. Yes. And I think it, considering we're all spread all over the UK, we've never met each other. No, I know. But like, I, I see you as my second family and my yeah. dear friends. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't all met up. I know. Yeah, we need to it's, have a meet up. Well, well, hopefully most of us will meet up in June. Yes, that'll be good. That'll yeah. be fab. But um, yeah, it's just been amazing. It I mean, if you, if you could see where I'm sitting at the moment. <laughs> I'm sitting in our study and it is just like a factory. Really? Because I'm preparing for um, the annual bushcraft show in Derbyshire. Oh, yes, because you were amazing at that last year. And it was such a success, wasn't it? It was, but again, that's another, you know, very funny, strange story. Yeah. Because we were asked to go and I said, oh, I don't live too far from Derbyshire. Yeah. And uh, Anne sent me a load of cards and, you know, leaflets. Yeah. So we put them in the back of the car. No idea where we were going. And oh. turned up at this place. It's huge. It's huge, this event. It's massive. Yeah. Um, and we said at the gate who we were, and they said, oh, okay, we'll take you to your pitch. Oh, wow. And we were like, pitch? <laughs> So he said, yeah, where you, where you pitch your tent? Oh, wow. I said, I haven't got a tent. Yeah. I, I said, I've only got a few leaflets in the back of the car. So, oh. so what happened was we said, oh, okay, we'll, we'll park our car on our pitch and make a display in the boot of the car. Yeah. Anyway, the bushcraft guys actually turned up trumps and they bought us a tent and table and chairs. And so we put out, and this is just me and John. John John's, oh. John's got no idea what we're doing. Um, so we laid there for the ride. Yeah. So we, it's chauffeur. Yeah. So we laid out all the stuff. Uh, I had some balloons um, that, yeah. were, that were on sticks, but we didn't know what to do with them. And yeah. we both we both taken our wellies. <laughs> so we we put them along the front of the table on the ground, and made a display of balloons in our oh place. yes i remember seeing that that looked yeah. so good so we sat there like a couple of spare parts thinking yes. because this bushcraft show is geared toward towards survivalists oh wow yeah so and they come yeah. in their droves doing all these uh different activities 
Yeah. And uh, we thought that they would walk past our tent and go, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I'm a yeah. survivalist. In, yeah. fa- in fact, what happened was they, they walked past us, got just to the end of the tent. And backtracked. And backtracked. Yeah. Yeah. And said, could I have some information? And it yeah. just was brilliant. And then out of the blue, as you probably remember, a guy approached me and said, can I have a word with you? Yeah. And John had gone off to get some lunch. Yeah. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and he came and sat beside me and I thought, well, why are you, why, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And when I looked up, he had a film crew with him. Oh, wow. And so, um, and it was quite a well-known survivalist who's on the telly, who I hadn't yes. got a clue who he was. Um, and that video was shared, I think it was something like about 10,000 times on wow. social media. That's crazy. Yeah. So great. So this year, we're prepared. So yes. the, the event is a three-day event, and we're doing all three days. Yeah, which and is this- a commitment in itself with our health as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And one of the other group members, Craig, who's a bushcrafter himself. Yeah. He's going to have the tent next door to us, so we're going to work together. Yeah. And also another member, Julianne, she's going to help out for a day. That's great. Um, So let's fingers crossed for a really good bushcraft. Yeah, definitely. This whole room is full of packs for children, for adults. I'm sitting here looking at two gigantic jars of lime-coloured lollipops wow. as we speak. Oh, God, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so it should be good. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I, th- I think the thing I'd like you to get from my podcast yeah, is that good things can come from bad things. Definitely. Oh, definitely. You're so true. And yeah. you know, when you said you overdosed, that yeah. really, like, that really got to me because to me, like, you're a shining star and I look up to you because you're just Aww. so on it. You're so loving to everybody. You're so caring. You're so professional. And you work so, so, so hard. And I don't think people realize how hard you actually do work. Oh, thanks. You, you yeah. take so much time to answer everybody personally and really help in every way you can. So for, for you to feel helpless and want a way out, that that's really like sort of hit me in the heart that because I just I can't imagine the upset that you are going through and you don't deserve that because you're so lovely and you know you deserve the best you really do you don't deserve all of that pain and heartache as well well I can tell you without you know without any exaggeration I was so hurt by what had happened to me why yeah why had this happened nobody could tell me why um doctors were happy to pin labels on me but not to find out what happened yeah um I felt I'd gone from a very well-respected colleague to yeah. somebody who was maybe making stuff up. Yeah, you feel embarrassed, don't you? Because yeah. you're so used to being on it, your body bouncing back, yeah. being a hard worker, and you don't want to lose all of that. No, I had one iconic moment that I'll never forget, and maybe that's a good thing that I'll never forget it, yeah. was when, um, and this was... Uh, it was a, probably a year before 
the overdose right. was that I, I just couldn't get out of bed. I just couldn't. I couldn't. My body just, it's, it was like it switched off. Yeah. It wasn't fatigue. It, yeah. Nothing would work. Yeah. And, of course, now I know that I was affected very badly in my nervous system. Yeah. But, um, again, my then husband, in desperation, asked the GP to come and look. And, yeah. and he's, he stood at the foot of my bed and said, he knew what I did for a living. He knew my history. Yeah. Um, and said to me, some people use this kind of illness to escape from the world. Oh, my word. And I found the strength. I won't use the words here because you're no. recording it. Oh. I, I found the strength to say to him, mate, if I wanted to escape from the world, I'd do it on a bleep desert. Yeah. yeah. And he just looked at me and I was like, why would you say that to me? Why would you, why would I need to escape from the world? I've got a lovely family. I've got a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, I, I'm okay financially. Why would I want to escape from no, the world? Exactly. And then I, for weeks, I wouldn't speak to another doctor. And I, I still, I still don't discuss. Now I'm back in the UK, now that we're retired back to the UK. Yeah. Obviously, I've had to register with a GP and everything. Of and when course. they ask my history, they bring it up and I say, I'm sorry, I don't want to discuss it. You didn't help me in the beginning and you can't help me now. Def yeah, too so, right. Yeah. You know, I'll go to them with anything else. Yes. But, you know, no. That is, so. again, that's soul destroying. And I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that because, like I said, you're a lovely woman and you don't deserve it. But I am so, so happy that you found John. Yeah, how supportive he's being, and the fact that you know the way you, and how much effort you put in and hard work you put into the work you do now is just incredible. And it's obviously giving you purpose back, and mm. you found your sort of life balance again, which is great. Absolutely. So, as we speak at the moment, John's busy stuffing more envelopes for bushcraft. <laughs> oh, bless him, commitment. And, and so, by I'm going on holiday on Sunday. So by wow. the time by the time I've packed my little bag, yeah. I'll, I'll have or between us we'll have stuffed four hundred envelopes of bushcraft. Wow, and that's uh, incredible. Sold a hundred lapel pins for Lyme disease awareness. That's, that's another amazing. Uh, what else? Thing. Lit up a few buildings. Yeah, and done a couple of interviews. So I think I think it's time for a holiday. Do you? Definitely, <laughs> I agree with that. I just wanted to sort of touch on you know the media globally and mm. you know celebrities coming out and more and more people finding the courage to speak out and how much help that's helped you know had with the media sort of engaging with us i think it's difficult because um if you if you're talking about the uk yes um then there are a few um if you want to use the word celebrities yeah um, who have fallen foul of a tick by yeah um and they they do speak out in some ways obviously yeah but i i don't think they always paint the true picture yeah i think they stay very guarded as well yeah mm -hmm. and also um if i'm a famous i don't know athlete shall we say yeah. say athlete i've probably got any amount of um, health care at my disposal 
Yes. Um, and I think sometimes I think people who've been ill a long time, when yeah. they when they hear those sort of interviews, feel defeated yeah. because it's as almost as if they're not speaking for them. Um, and I I know what it's like to shout at the TV and say, yeah, but it's all right for you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm yes. getting at? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think in America, they're more vocal. Yes. And there's a couple of people who are really coming out to be heard. Yes. And hopefully it, it, mir- it mirrors the small scale of what we're doing. Yeah. And it will get bigger and bigger and we will all get louder and louder. Definitely. And like you say, it takes a lot of courage, but sort of it it does really, really help when people find that courage to speak out and be brave. And, you know, like we're saying, the media are sort of picking up more and more the story rather than dismissing us, which is a, a massive, massive big step forward. And really, that's fine. That, that you know that's thanks to you and down to you and your hard work really well i think i think the thing is there are lots of issues as as you know around yes. lyme disease whether that be political uh, the nhs blah all of it my yeah. my reason for doing what i'm doing is so other people don't go through the hell i've been through yes and from my perspective yeah i'd like to I'd like to change the world and I'd like to, you know, tomorrow we'll have the optimum protocol for treating Lyme disease and a million specialist centres, you know, all the big stuff. Yes. But from my point of view, if we can make people aware so they're not bitten in the first place. Yes, that's it. That's the key for it to me. Yeah. Um, I I know there's lots of people like me who have been badly let down by the system. Yes. And I wish I could change that. Yeah. But I can't. Yeah. But I can change it for other people. Yeah, future generations. Yeah. So so when people say, oh, you could do this, that and the other, this is my focus because if we... What I've been doing over the last, however, 18 months, probably mostly... Yeah. It's trying to raise the profile of Lyme disease. Yes. Unless you raise the profile and people are going, oh. Yeah, oh, sitting up. You're yeah. not, you're not going to ever make any progress higher up. Yes. Once you raise the profile of a disease, then people higher up have to start taking notice. Definitely. You see yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's coming from it from a different angle. Instead of of coming from the angle of, like, everything needs to change now. Yes. Yeah. That that can't happen. No. You know, we we have a world where that can't happen. Yeah. So by by raising the profile and more and more and more people getting heard, in the end, people have to start listening. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And that that doesn't just include doctors. It includes MPs. You know, if if their constituents are continuously saying, my life's been ruined by this, and, yeah. and you're paying me, I don't know how much a month benefits, and I've been to six different consultants, if you add the cost of that up, it's ridiculous. Definitely. You yeah. know, when potentially, and I say potentially because we don't know 
an optimum protocol for treating it. But potentially a few weeks of antibiotics can yeah. stop all that. This is crazy stuff. Definitely, yes. So we need to just keep raising the profile, like you do constantly, like I do, yeah, like, like the do, team yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Getting and giving people the confidence to speak out because I know from my experience doing the press side of it that people are very keen to say, Oh, I'll I'll do that. But when yeah. it when it comes to it, oh no, maybe yeah. no. Mm. Yeah. Um, because like you said, it takes guts to speak out. It really does. It yeah. really, really does. Yeah. So but we keep we keep going. Definitely. And and would you like to share any future goals for the future that you hope for? For the future, I would hope that the general public become aware of the dangers. Yeah. I would like to see a national awareness campaign. It really shouldn't be down to volunteers to yes. to, to mount what what is really a national campaign. Yeah. You know. Um yeah. I would like to see obviously more research into why if people are diagnosed straight away and they get the treatment yeah uh, that's advised at the moment why are so many people failing that treatment right yeah that, that's the focus of what is what is this disease doing and yeah. how do we beat it yeah but that you know that is that's probably not in my lifetime no. i don't think yeah but we can we can do the building blocks to we it we can yes you know and that's what drives us every day and what we what we do really it, like like we said before it's for future generations because we Absolutely. don't want them going yeah. through the hell that we've had to go through no you know and and it, you know awareness is so lacking in this country and yeah um, i did an interview yesterday with the bbc radio lincolnshire yeah. and I, I said on there we all get off to exotic locations <laughs> And yeah. take, take our repellent because we don't want to be get bitten by mosquitoes. Yes. And yet hardly hardly anybody in this country thinks, oh, I'm going camping, I'm going to take my tick repellent with me and my tick tool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we ne really, really need to just keep pushing that agenda. Definitely. To, yes. to, to it becomes a regular thing. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have people... You know, years yeah. after, like me, you, yeah. You know, with chronic health problems, yes. Both of us suffering all sorts of now different problems within our body, yeah. That is probably been caused by an untreated infection, yes. You know, yeah. So let's and let's go to the beginning and stop that. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and like obviously, it's just people sort of knowing more about the disease, recognizing it when they hear it, and yeah. knowing exactly what it's all about. Because people say cancer, and you know they're all for it. They want you know they want to help in any way they can. And sometimes when you say Lyme disease, they, people just look at you just completely mm. confused and absolutely they don't really yeah. understand. So to get to that point where it's sort of more recognized people understand it the education's there the knowledge is there can go a long long way absolutely i mean we had um just as a complete coincidence we've had a new neighbor moving and they came right. round last night because we've got an issue with a road that we need to sort out yeah 
and all the envelopes we've been stuffing were on the sofa. <laughs> and she said, oh, Lyme disease. Yeah. Oh, she said, just before Christmas, I found a tick in the back of my leg. Oh, no. So I said, oh. And she said, I think it came off the dogs. They've got three dogs. So I said, what did you do? And she said, well, I couldn't get it out. Oh, so no. She said she went to the doctor's and um, the doctor couldn't get it out either with a tick tool. Oh, my gosh. So the nurse put some spirit, surgical spirit on it. <gasps> yeah. And anyway, oh, no. they managed to get it out, thankfully. I mean, this happened before Christmas and she's been fit and well since. So hopefully it wasn't. Infected. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, but I said, what did the doctor say to you? So she said, well, I was really worried about it because I have heard of Lyme disease. And I asked him if I should have a blood test. So um, I said, so what did he say? And she said, oh, he said, um, first of all, um, there's only been one confirmed case in Lincolnshire for so many years. I said, oh, that's not true. No, definitely and, not. And um, she also said that he said... Uh, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to send off a blood test for Lyme disease. We get in trouble from... Um, <gasps> yeah, we get in trouble because the test is expensive and Lyme doesn't really exist in this country. Oh, my word. So That, that makes me so angry. <laughs> I've written down that GP's name, don't worry. <laughs> oh. I was like... <laughs> that make, that's just, it just leaves you speechless yeah. in, the, in the wrong way because Absolutely. that is not the attitude to have at all. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, you know, but you've been told absolute fibs. Yeah, definitely. So what's his name? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So uh, I should be posting some tick awareness stuff to him. Of course. With, yeah. a cover, with a covering letter. I mean, like, look, you know, like you said, thank God she seems to be fit and healthy yes. now because that could have been, you know, yeah. really, really bad and debilitating for her. Yeah, I said, you know, if you start getting any strange symptoms, let me know. Yes, definitely. Um, but like I said, again, on the radio yesterday, and not all ticks are infected, but they don't know. They don't all have a, a little label on them saying, I'm not infected. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> or the, they, they shine different colours. like. No. like a Lyme disease light going off. No. No, yeah. So, but, yeah, so I was astounded. This happened in my lounge last night. I was like, my jaw was on the floor. That's crazy. Mm. But at least I'm aware now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but like you said, you know. I will hunt him down. <laughs> yeah, and you've gone and educated your neighbour a yeah. bit more about it. So mm. next time that happens, if she does have dogs, which, you know, the possibility of having it, Again, is quite high. Oh, she went home with a couple of tick tools. <laughs> right. Well, that's perfect then. See, yeah. she's probably thinking, "Great, I've got the best neighbour ever." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, oh. but thank you so much for coming on today. I mean, oh, your story welcome. is heartbreaking, but also very, very inspiring for the fact that you, you know, fought back. You're now Wonder Woman, <laughs> and you know you do so much for the Lyme disease community and your own community back at home as well, which is which is amazing and so, so inspiring for so many people. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Sophie. No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Me too. Thank you very much. We'll thank speak you. soon. All right, then. Bye, Bye Sophie. Bye. Bye. Bye.